0: You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
1: every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast from me, Peter Pratt. Happy Thursday, guys, and welcome back. Welcome back to part two of our trade season mini series, Match.com, with Sean Barrett. Sean is back, and we are digging into the AL Central. Sean, how are you doing?
0: I'm really good, Pete. I really enjoyed uh, yesterday's pod, Going Through the East. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's plenty of interest in the Central as well, so I'm looking forward to
1: it. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I've just got to say, thanks everyone for the feedback. The discourse, the conversation after, firstly, it's great to know that people are are listening to the pod. So that's useful. Um, And I think this is always an emotive topic. Trades, particularly when you're trading some good guys away, it gets the juices flowing, I think. And listen, you've got to give to get. That's the old saying. And that is the deal. To remind everyone, if you haven't listened to to yesterday's pod, this is a win-win trade with every team that the Marlins are looking to make. We're looking to make one trade each. All of them are win-win. This isn't a Marlins rinsing the Twins. This is understanding what the Twins need, understanding what the Marlins need, and trying to find a match that works. So that's what's going on. Myself and Sean have both got trade packages queued up specifically for today in the AL Central, and we'll round things off tomorrow with the AL West. And then next week we'll then get into the NL. So if you haven't listened to yesterday's, go back and listen. We covered the AL East. It was a lot of fun. There were some wild suggestions from me based on the feedback that that I've received. And actually, a lot of people were leaning towards Sean's trades, thinking that he made some nice suggestions. I agreed to. Um, on on there was definitely a couple that, as you said them, and we talked through it, made a lot of sense. So this is this is the beauty of this, where two different eyeballs. Two different parts of England if you don't know I live at the north of England and Sean is right on the south coast so two completely separate eyeballs looking at the same information coming up with trades so that's the beauty of this one should be a lot of fun so without further ado we're going to get into the L Central we are going alphabetical by city and that takes us straight into the Chicago White Sox I assume my alphabetical ordering is correct um, so we will lead off with the White Sox Sean Barrett is in the leadoff spot uh, taking this one, Sean, I'll hand it over to you. So, yeah, so
0: any, any um self-respect I earned yesterday, I'm probably going to ruin with the first one because <laughs> my my Chicago White Sock trade is pretty out there. There okay. wasn't much really with Chicago to sort of pick between. They're pretty complete team. And I'm after your teaser yesterday, I was well aware of who where you were going. Yep. And you yep. stole the main one. So I've gone, I've gone a bit out there. So I've looked at a a middle infield guy that would really push the Marlins over the top. I like Chisholm and I like Mickey, obviously, but Tim Anderson at Chicago oh is, boy. is offensively one of the best middle infielders out there. Uh, and certainly cost controlled guys as well. So just to give you a brief synopsis of Tim Anderson, he's, um, it, as I said, salary controlled. So nine and a half million next year. And then he's got two uh, options, team options, 12 and a half and 14. So financially he's, he's doable for pretty much any team in, in, in the major leagues. Last three years, uh, he had quite a big breakout. He wasn't bad before, but he's had a breakout. Over the last past three years, uh, 130 WRC plus from a shortstop. It's pretty early. You can expect 2020, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, 300 average. He doesn't walk a lot, but it never seems to bother him. He always makes it work. He's a three and a half to four walk guy. The biggest issue you've got with him is he's pure shortstop. He's never played anything but shortstop. And this is why it's a little bit of a left field kind of idea for me, because I'd plug him in at shortstop. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd move Miggy to second base, extend his window. I love Miggy. I said that yesterday. I'd love to have Miggy playing second base or shortstop, but second base gives him that extended period of time for the next four years and move Chisholm. Into center, oh baby, <laughs> we heard it. We heard it during the off season. I think it was Joe Fosario mentioned it as a, as an option. You know Chisholm. You know the bat works. He's got that. He, he nearly went twenty twenty last year in his rookie year. He's got 30-30 in him. Hundred percent. If he if he can play moderate center field, if he can be a negative five to ten DRS kind of guy in center field, he's actually going to end up being with that bat, you know, a top 10 center fielder. That's that's how the numbers work out. Mm-hmm. So I think to be fair, that's something that the Marlins could use as far as we've we've heard and I said yesterday about the idea that they were looking for bats first defensive positioning secondary. That kind of fits for me. Biggest issue that you're going to have is the cost. <laughs> and, that, and that's going to hurt because you're going to look at a guy like uh, Watson. You know he, He's the shortstop of the future for the Marlins, but with Tim Anderson in for the next three years, you wouldn't really be looking at that. And then, and then secondarily, you're probably going to be moving an, a, a Yuri Perez. Yeah, that's that's what's going to get the deal done because he is when he signed that contract three or four years ago, Tim Anderson was pre-breakout. And that contract was he was worth that contract at the time. Yeah. Now post breakout, he's he's underpaid.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So to trade for him, he's gonna cost you a lot in in prospect value. So it's it's pretty out there, but The whole point of this process was does it improve both teams? And to me, Chicago, who are they're competitive, don't get me wrong. They they are looking to compete over the next couple of years. But I don't see Tim Anderson for Watson and Yuri Perez stopping their window that far.
1: Mm-hmm. I like it. I mean, we spoke about it but at least once, if not twice, on on this pod, and definitely on fish across the pond as well, where we're talking about this notion of if you end up trying to just square peg round hole center field, then at least maybe consider jazz because the, the tools look like they would play in, in, in center field. And actually then you would then look at, okay, middle infield. What do you do? And this is the point I think we were talking about. Do they just go and get one of the major shortstops? Do they? Um, but I, I like I I love the way you've applied that logic to this situation. It's a steep price, it's gonna be steep, it's gonna be a similar price to like a kettle mate, like they're gonna be similar types of rates, they're similar dudes in many ways. Then, you know, kettle's probably a better overall hitter, but um, you know, Tim Anderson is he's so toolsy as well. So toolsy. He's an electric guy. I mean, imagine up the middle, you've got Tim Anderson and Jazz Chisholm. I mean, that is the most electric middle infield or spine of a team, plus Miggy. I mean, the other thing to think of, you could even, you know, shut Miggy over to third base. Don't know what, you know, where where Brian Anderson's up to. But the thing with Miggy is his arm. That's the thing for me at shortstop. It's the arm that like really shows up. And that's what when Jazz is over there, the arm difference and strength is like noticeably lower. Um, right now, I mean, it may change, but but That's the thing for Miggy. His arm would definitely play further around the diamond two into third. I think he could actually play well there, but yeah, I, I like the trade, mate. I think it's a really interesting one, and it is wild. No doubt, no doubt. I have gone just straight down the line. When I looked at the White Sox, it was only one way that I saw this one going. Um, and it was just straight up, we know he's available, it's Craig Kimbrell, we know they're trying to shop him, they acquired him at the deadline. I feel like they paid a real hefty price to get him. Um, then they try to kind of fit him in there and it didn't quite work out uh, in general for them. And uh, yeah, they're now, they've picked up the option and he's now being supposedly actively shopped. He's a rental. So that's the thing we got to call out. He's a $16 million rental. And for a closer, that is expensive in terms of the money. So, But the Marlins need a closer. And actually, the volatility means that one-year deals for legit guys make sense. Like, the Kimbrel connection just makes a lot of sense for the Marlins. The question is, is the price tag too much? Because when they traded with the Cubs, Nick Madrigal was part of that deal. He was injured. He was hurt. And maybe that helped, but Madrigal was a massive price, I felt, that they paid there. I was absolutely blown away they did that. And this is where it may get tricky, where they try to recreate a Madrigal-type player. So I've gone down that line. Who am I giving back? I'm giving Madrigal, kind of. Well, no, I'm not. If the White Sox want to burn the money and they go, listen, Kimbral's not for us. We want our $16 to use elsewhere. Or we don't want to spend it on Kimbrel. The Marlins are giving them an out. We're going to pay the full money. But in return, Chicago White Sox, you are getting Nick Madrigal 2.0. Isan Diaz! (laughs) <laughs> that's it. I see this as a money dump from the White Sox. Um, and we'll give them a piece back. I actually, I think it's interesting. They do need some middle infield depth. Isan can do that. Yes. Uh, on the face of it, you think that sounds crazy, but I'm going with that. I'm going Isan Diaz for Kimbrel straight up. If they retain some money, then I think that changes things, but I'm taking it as the Marlins take the full 16 mil on a rental. Here's Isan Diaz with four years of control. You know, see how you go. Two very different trades there, Sean. I must say, two very, very different ones. Uh, is Isan Diaz going to be enough to get it done for Craig Kimbrell
0: To be honest, it, you laugh because it sounds ridiculous, but yep. I don't think you're that far off. So, if we look at what Chicago did, so they they took in that 16 million option for Kimbrell and then they signed Graveman, and it was really interesting, like. It was an odd... I think most of everything I've read says that the Kimball option uptake from the Chicago was a bit of a surprise. Mm. And what I've got down as far as holes for, for the Chicago team is second base and right field. So you're automatically plugging that gap. Now, is Isan realistically a, a an option for a team that are looking to be competitive? no. Mm-hmm. But if they are, they gonna have Kimball at sixteen million being their setup man when they've already spoken about the idea that Kimball outside of the closer role is what made him struggle, mm. or that's what they think occurred. I think that Kimball doesn't pitch a single pitch for Chicago next year. Or I, I think he's moved. I think he's definitely moved, yeah. and you are right. it is, it's not a salary dump, because he is a, a pitcher that deserves to be in the major leagues, he is going to be a, a I think he can close for somebody, and why not the Marlins, when that's what they're looking for, and yes, if it is a, essentially a salary dump, then Isan Diaz is, is kind of what you expect when you dump a salary is, is a guy that has some major league pedigree that hasn't really delivered, and yeah, I think that deal is genuinely even now. <laughs> it, it's it's a deal. It's I wouldn't have maybe chose uh, Diaz, but t- Kimball is absolutely the guy that I would have chosen had I not known that you're already going to do it.
1: Yeah, got it. It was the, it was the no-brain pick because it fills an obvious need for the Marlins, and he is obviously for sale clearly. Um, so. We'll wait and see. I do. I think that is a really intriguing fit for the Marlins. I have got no problem with them making a deal, but if they try to, you know, if the ask is too great because they're trying to recoup a Nick Madrigal type player, then I think it's going to be a no for the Marlins. It's going to be too steep, particularly on a one-year rental with Kimbrel, and you know he'll probably want to go back to free agency. So okay, let's keep it rolling. Um, good start, fun start. I mean, Jazz is in center field now. Tim Anderson's there in, in, in short. Miggy's maybe playing second or third. I don't know. I mean, sounds wild. Plus, yeah, you know, Uri Perez, first time that name's popped up on our, on our trade discussions. Um, I'm really intrigued, just on a, a side note. I'm really intrigued to see if you, Uri Perez is still with the Marlins throughout 22, where his prospect ranking then sits. Like, he is at, you know, if you want to think of a player and an emoji, the rocket emoji was absolutely perfect for Eri Perez. He is absolutely ascending and is one of the biggest um, names, one of the biggest guys in baseball too, it must be said. <laughs> so I'm really intrigued to see where that one goes. First out of the day, US ad, British twist. It is the guys over at Bilt Bar, of course. And it is the new year. It literally is the new year. So uh, first of all, happy new year. If you listen to this on the day, uh, which is which will be Friday. It's New Year's Eve. So hope you have some great celebrations and uh, wish everyone a happy, happy New Year and a happy 22. Um, so Built Bar, it is the new year. It means New Year's resolution season. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bars in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. Boy, oh boy, dude, stay away from those ones. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. So here's an idea. Go and grab your Built Bar. Head over to Built.com. Use promo code Locked 15 and get 15% off your order at Built.com. So many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie. You know that's my favorite. Raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie. So many, so many flavors. And they're always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com and see what's new. Let's keep it rolling. Next one up is the Cleveland, not the Indians, but the Guardians. I'm still struggling with that one. Sean, interesting interesting team and interesting juncture with the Guardians. I'm not clear exactly where they're at. So where, how did you see this one?
0: Yeah, so I've literally written newly named Cleveland Guardians because <laughs> I'm going to struggle with that. Yeah. So she, uh, Chicago White Sox uh, won the division last year. Uh, Cleveland in second place. I actually think that they've got an interesting team. So that their rotation is arguably one of the best in the AL, definitely the best in the AL Central. So you had Bieber, Sivale, and Plesak, all of whom lost a bit of time last year through injuries. But I think that those three actually match up, if healthy, with the Marlins, as far as as a rotation base. If all healthy, I think that Cleveland... I would make them maybe my favourites for the division. Wow. Um, you know, they've got, they've got a few holes here and there, but ultimately what they do have is they have the rotation, they have a defensively-based uh, offence, and it's just about a couple... I think they're just a couple of upgrades offensively away. So this is where I kind of try to make a few moves in this process. So at first base last year, they had a a newly uh, minted prospect coming up, Bobby Bradley, which I'll admit kind of passed me by. I didn't really notice him. He had 279 plate appearances, hit 16 home runs, um, which is, you know, in half a season, pretty good, but with a 208 average and a 294 on base percentage. So he's still, he's not quite there yet. So what I would, be looking at if I was Cleveland is I want a, a a rock at first base, a guy that I know that can steady his ship at first base while Bobby Bradley plays a bit of time at first, bit of time at DH, maybe plays a bit in AAA. If you heard? If you, does that sound familiar? As far as the Marlins talking about Leywin Diaz, I would send Aggie over now. We've spoke all off-season about the idea of the Marlins have got Lewin, they've got Coop, and they've got Aggie, and it's creating a, a crush, almost. With DH, I, I am certain that DH is coming to the NL. I Me don't, too. I do an argument to be made. No. But, even with that being said, with Wendell as well, coming into the Marlins, I think that Coop and DH and Aggie in first base would be great. But what do we do with Leywin? If Mother Marlins genuinely feel like Leywin is ready, if they're, if they're looking to the future and they're saying, we think he, we're going to give him 500 at we want him to be ready, that makes Aggie and his pretty large arbitration year contract expendable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What's available... With Cleveland. I think Cleveland are pretty ready to compete. I think they're, they're genuinely ready. They've got a, a prospect, Brian Rochachio, uh, which is the name I knew I was going to, but he's a shortstop. Okay. So some of the things that I've read about him he's got a feel for contact, exceptional shortstop defense. The last two years, he was 18 years and 19 years old, and he got spring training reps with the team. Wow. 18 and 19. That's how much the team respected him. Hmm. In every single season of his pro career, he's had an above 100 WRC+. And at every level, he has been significantly one to two years below the average age of that league. Over his minor league career, 1,057 play appearances. So roughly two full years, 57 stolen bases. So he's averaged about 25 stolen bases a year if you expand it over a full season. So contact, defense, and speed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: To me, that sounds like Miggy with speed. <laughs> and the, I always say, look, the Marlins... Are a small budget team, but there's no getting away from that. They're spending some money this year, and and it's great. But realistically, they're going to always be on the lower third of the major leagues as far as spending. Yeah. So players, players at capture, at shortstop, at center field. I'm looking for defensive first players with major league average offense because. When The Marlins aren't going to have a shortstop that's going to hit 35 bombs and hit a 320 average because those kind of players, unless they develop them through the draft, those kind of players are, at the moment, earning half a billion dollars in 12-year <laughs> contracts. That's not how the Marlins work. No. Ryan Roccio sounds to me just like a Miami Marlins player. A player that's not going to knock your socks off, a player that's going to give you two to two and a half war on a small contract. If you look at what the Marlins are playing, paying Miggy at the moment, and his performance is way above that. That's that's what he looks like to me.
1: Mm-hmm. I like it, um and I, I'm intrigued. We're thinking the same line as well with this one. By the way, slightly, I'll come. I'll come to mine, but this it's one of those where you're identifying a shortstop in the system. I know the guardians have got like got tons of shortstops in the system. It's one of the, when I got into it, it's one of the things that's kind of stood out to me. This guy's on the younger side, but they've also got like a plethora of kind of major league ready dudes or near major league ready shortstops. So even if it isn't this guy, I could absolutely see that type of thing happening where they just go, listen, we need a first baseman. We like Aguilar. Marlins go, listen, we need a shortstop that, is kind of major league ready or a bit further down the line? Absolutely, I could see that. So, remind me of the surname of this guy.
0: <laughs> Do that to me. It is Roccio. R o t c h i o.
1: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, okay. The Guardians. So, I have been out there pumping this name, you know, since we got into the off season. I, I wasn't clear on where the Guardians were going. I wasn't sure if they were selling, if they were buying, what they were doing. And maybe if they feel, and I don't follow the Guardians that closely. My assumption was they were in, you know, they've got Bieber, they've got J Ram, you know, one or two others. Obviously, you mentioned a couple of the pictures that are pretty nice. So, but around that, I didn't feel like there was much. And so I wasn't sure if they were going to strip it further back and build it again. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the basis that they're going to move more assets, perhaps and move on from Jose Ramirez. And for me, when I look at Jose Ramirez, the two years of control, a 12 mil a pop, um, fits the Marlins budget, absolutely. So the money makes sense. that We can make the money work, for sure. Um, it's going to be expensive, because he's one of the best players in, in baseball. Like, There's no getting a, away from that. He is. So if the Guardians are selling, and they want to move on from Ramirez now, and cash in, with two years of control to maximize it, then I think there's a deal that could be done. Like you, I thought the same about the Guardians. First base is a problem for them. It is. Corner outfield's a problem for them. I mean, they had Harold Ramirez out there for you know half a year. Uh, they had everyone out there, um, to be honest with you. So I'm going with a four-player package for the Guardians, okay? For J-Ram. Brian Anderson, he's back on the block, poor old B.A. B.A.'s, <laughs> BA's gone. Cooper Loop is in, in that package too. Sean Barrett is absolutely fuming at this one. But Brian Anderson, he solves third base. Cooper Loop can solve at first. Um, and also, um, J.J. Bleday and Jake Eder. Those four dudes, it's an absolute blockbuster of a package. It's, it's expensive, no doubt about it. But listen... To go and acquire these dudes, you've got to give away some studs. Cooper um, Loop, I think, you know, is if you take the health concerns away, he's an above average player. The same with BA. JJ Blood should be. And Jake Eder, he's kind of come out of nowhere and all of a sudden looks like he could be legit. For me, that package gets it done. Like if I look at the from a Guardian's perspective, if those guys are fit and healthy, it's a good deal for two years of control of JRAM on an undervalued deal. And that goes to the point you made about Tim Anderson, where 12 mil a year. It's 20 milliyear year light. And that's the value, I guess, to someone like the Marlins. So as I think about this more, I'm not convinced that the Guardians are selling and maybe I should have perhaps looked at the relievers and found a reliever that maybe would have worked, which, you know, they do have some good relievers. I know Class A is a real nice reliever. But again, if they're not selling, then that probably wouldn't have worked. So, you know, they have some pieces. I don't know if they have enough pieces. And with two years left of J-RAM is now the time to go. Or the question the Guardians will ask themselves is, we're rebranded, we're looking to you know, keep the fan interest, do we extend Jose Ramirez? And perhaps that's the route they go. That would make some sense too for them, just kind of PR-wise, get out there. you know. These are your Cleveland Guardians and we're going to extend our studs. I don't know. We'll wait and see. Let's keep it rolling though, Sean, because... As always, we keep uh, you know we, we, we can get deep on some of these, and the Tigers is next up the Detroit Tigers um, hmm, another interesting one um, i 'll let you dive into them and share your thoughts on on where you'd go with this, and equally, if you have any thoughts on the the Jose Ramirez trade as well, sorry, just to kind of round that one off
0: so yeah, just quickly on on uh, Cleveland, so i think I think you 're right in the sense of like I just spoke about. Bieber and Savali and Plesec about their rotation, they're all coming off injuries and they're all coming off, you know, incomplete years. If they don't return as they're expected to, then you're right. The Cleveland could be sellers in the sense of they've got some guys who are coming towards the end of their contracts on high-value uh, contracts. And I think the deal that you recommended... Is probably something that in June, July, if Cleveland aren't competitive, they could look to, to you know push that button and make yeah. that move. And yeah. I think, I think that is genuinely something. That, and again, the Marlins, if they are close, if they if they're within 500 or above 500, that's the kind of deal that they're looking to make the move to put themselves over. I think that's the deal. And now obviously I'm always going to argue about Coop. You know, when we started this process, I made five players untouchable. Mm-hmm. There was Sandy, who we've just extended, it makes sense. Trevor Rogers, who I think is genuinely the highest valued player for the Marlins as far as trade value. Mm-hmm. I think he could become Sandy. He's only just through his rookie season therefore we've got so much control yeah before the sandy extension he was probably the the best player the marlins had as far as contractually obligated sandy now with a five-year extension they're kind of 1a 1b miggy for everything he brings to the team yeah chisholm even though i just gave him away in the trade i think he is pretty untouchable actually and five is coop just because i love the damn guy i know Uh, and and that will never change. Moving on to Detroit. <laughs> Detroit are a really interesting team. They they have a big budget. They have a big payroll already. And they're still not quite there yet. So if you look at their rotation, so they've got miser at the top of the right the, the rotation. They just signed Eduardo Rodriguez to a huge five-year contract. They've got Scoobyl, who is young who has a, a, last year hit a 98 ERA plus. I actually quite like him. He's a, a bit of a fantasy darling for those guys who are out there. And, and then Manning, who was their fourth pitcher, um, he had a poor 2021, but he's got the pedigree. I think he will improve. I think, realistically, that rotation is, is it's a, a, a coin flip. They could either be really, really great. I think the, I think the promise is there. They just need another guy. They just need a steadier, a guy that can just, you know, you're going to get 150 innings of below four ERA. And I, I tried to not move the same guy twice, but I might've already moved Alicia yesterday. I'm not quite sure. I definitely but did. <laughs> I, I'm moving him again. If I, <laughs> I think that's where Detroit are, oh, they, they have no prospect depth. I think they've got one player in the top 100. They just don't have any prospect. They are ready to compete, or at least they need to compete right now. And so they need another arm in my eyes. So it was Alicia Hernandez. Now, again, they've got no prospects. They can't really move from their offense because they need all the guys that are there. So Marlins need ball pin help. So I've, I've created a trade where they get a Elitia and they've given up Fulmer, who is at the moment scheduled to be their set-up man. Last year, he had 13 saves for them. Uh, he had an over 3.5K per walk rate uh, last year, but he's on an expiring deal, which is, which is probably why he's more expendable than if he weren't. He's on one-year, five mil. He's not old. He's 28 or 29. I can't remember exactly right now. So realistically, if the Marlins put him in as their closer, and he had a good half season, would they look to extend him? I mean, how how big is this window that they're creating? How much money is available to the Marlins? We're hearing that they've got 60 million for a deal that never ended with Marte. But mm-hmm. they could they put three years and 30 million? Into a garlic like former, if he has a sub three ERA and twelve to fifteen saves in June or July, I think that's I think that's well within reason. Mm. I think that's a deal that genuinely helps both teams. Now Detroit probably would like to have former in their bullpen as much as the Marlins would like to have Hernandez in their you know in their rotation. But you, as we've discussed, you've got to give to get. And I think that as much as Detroit want bullpen help, they need to start pitching more. And as much as the Marlins need want to start pitching, they need relieving more. I just think it's a good mix for both teams.
1: Yeah. This, the Tigers, when I got into them, it's incomplete. It's hard to decide where to go with the Tigers because I genuinely feel, uh, I said yesterday that, it feels in a similar spot to the Yankees where there's moves that are yet to be made that will then determine the knock-on effects with, with the Tigers. I think I do think, and I said yesterday that I think the Yankees will go and try and get career or story. I think they'll end up with story. And I think Carlos Correa will end up as a tiger. Um, And I think they, they throw some more money at it. So and I also think they go and get Michael Conforto and play to play corner outfield for them as well. So I think the Tigers actually push some money in, more even more money. in. you've already mentioned they've they've loaded up on a five year deal for, um, who was that Eduardo Rodriguez, wasn't it? Sorry, yeah, Erod. So that is, I think they do go for it. But I think the need that you called out remains that they look they need 150 innings from a relatively reliable dude in some sort of way. And I think that's where the fit comes in. And I'm, I am struggled to see if a match in terms of their roster coming over. So actually, I think the Marlins look to address some minor league depth, actually. And I think we look to acquire a third baseman. It's one thing that we're lacking, um, really, is one of the areas we're lacking anyway. I know some of these shortstops may transition around in, in the future, but there's a prospect I like the look of um, his name's Colt Keith. So not, um, you know, not as difficult as the one you had earlier, Sean, but Colt Keith, um, he actually played across three levels in 2021. So they kind of like pumped him up there. Um, they're moving him up quick. I think he's their 12th ranked prospect, third baseman. Um, I liked, I liked the look of him. And so what are the Marlins given up in exchange? I am sending one of the depth pitchers. Across, so it's not one of the headline names. I'm going to send over to them Jordan Holloway. Jordan Holloway across to the Tigers uh, for Colt Keith. I think with Holloway, it's interesting. He's not had a full run at it for the Marlins, but I've, I've always felt there was something there. And I, I've also felt that there's something he could transition into be a really good reliever, too. And I'm, I was surprised the Marlins, you know, they did use him a little bit in that role and they, it was all a bit messy with him in, in 2021, but I'm going to send Jordan Holloway to the Tigers that they look to add some bottom of the rotation or swing man depth. Um, and the Marlins look to address a third base, you know, relative hole in the system with Colt Keith that looks a nice prospect in my opinion. So yeah, minor deal. Uh, I think the Tigers go in, you know, if they make those moves, if they get career Conforto, they go going win now mode and all of a sudden it can, it changes the, the real complexion about what they're looking to do. They'll still need a starter. And maybe, you know, the reality is with the Tigers, they do have dudes coming down the pipe. I mean, obviously they've got um, they've got Torque coming. They've got Riley Green coming. Those guys are near. Um, you know, Talk also, I don't know where he's playing, first base, third base. Riley Green's playing in the outfield. You know, the Tigers, if they layer on a few more players, it could be really interesting. It could be really interesting. Like, I think they're more interesting right now than someone like the Rangers, for example, that are throwing money at things, but they're kind of like a little bit barren at the major league level still. So anyway, that's mine. It's a kind of minor deal. Marlins trading out of their depth. You could, you drop in a name, you could drop in Dan Castano instead of that. You could drop in Cody Poteet. You could kind of mix and match those names. Um, Nick Nider too, I think you could put in that same, cat. you know, they're all the same kind of dudes, Braxton Garrett, um, although I do like Garrett. Um, I think as, as the best of that bunch probably, but I do like Holloway and I see him maybe even transition into a nice pen piece in the future, whether it's for the tigers or, you know, for the Marlins. So yeah, that's, um, that's mine on the tigers. Um, let's keep it rolling. mate. I mean, we may as well. Let's keep plowing through nothing really too sexy to talk about on that tigers one from me. So the Royals, the Royals are next up. Um, how do you see the Royals shaking up, mate? They look to be some ways away as well at the moment. So the Central is kind of in a bit of a weird spot, and I think the Royals equally are in a weird spot too, kind of still rebuilding, I think.
0: So Yeah, so as I said with Cleveland, I think Cleveland are probably the team that I would make favourites for the division. You've got Chicago, who are the last year's winners, And they'll be there about, and as we spoke, and as you said specifically, Detroit are looking to spend some money, you'd think, and be competitive. I don't think Kansas City are this year or in 2023 looking to compete. So that's kind of the way that I try to look at it. Mm. They've got some young pitching, um, but that will take, you know, young pitching as, as we know as Marlin fans. You know, you've got to go through those growing pains. They've got some prospects coming. They've got some blue-chip prospects coming. They do. But again, you know, that's a year, two years, maybe three years away, and you never know with prospects. Again, as a Milan fan, you know that prospects don't always pan out. Defensively, they're pretty sound. And with young pitching, they could actually find lightning in the bottle. You know, young pitching, defensively sound, that can work, but I just happen to feel like they're a year or two away. Yeah. So the way I looked at it was what players have they got that are a little bit older, that are on expiring or near-expiring contracts, that they know probably, you know, why have them on the roster if, if they're not going to be helping them in the long run. So I'm looking at Whit Merrifield. Oh, and again, okay. I'm looking... I'm looking at a guy that is most of his career at second base. He's played a bit of outfield, but he, in my mind, that he's not a depth player. He's a starting player. He'll start in center field. He'll start in outfield. But the way that the Marlins can fit him in and move everyone around, you know, we know that Miggy as uh, is a standard uh, shortstop. But as you said earlier. I would trust him at second base. I'd trust him at third base. I'd trust him in centre field. Miggy's that kind of guy that you just know, Miggy, you've got to play centre field for the next three three nights. He'd be like, yep, don't worry. Got it sorted. You know, We know Wendell's moving around. We know that we kind of want to see Chisholm maybe in centre field. We know that Avi has played centre field. So I think there's enough flexibility within the roster that, that Merrifield could come in and everyone just, Swap and change and see how it goes. What do I like about Merrifield? So he's, he's on a really friendly deal. It's insane. So next year, he's 33-year-old, he's but he's due next year under $3 million. The year after, under $7 million. Over the last four years, so you've got three full years and that 160-game season, the most games a player could play is 546 games. He played 542. He's missed four games over the last four
1: years. Wow. Ironman. Absolute Iron Man. The guy
0: plays. Yeah. You know, he's averaged 35 stolen bases over the last four, se- four seasons. The guy's got speed as well. Mm. And what do the Marlins lack to a certain degree? Speed. I think this guy could genuinely be a guy that could move around the team, give you day in, day out baseball, you know, with speed, on a, a team-friendly contract, on a team that, you know, the Kansas City, if he stays there for the next two years, he's kind of wasted. So let's talk about a return for Kansas City. Their team are close. They're a team that in the next two years, they're going to look to start to turn the table, start to compete. Detroit are a team that we know that are probably in the next two years, their window's going to close and they're going to blow it up. Who knows what's going to happen at Cleveland and Chicago. I think Kansas City need to look into the future, into the next window. And for me, a guy that could really improve them is Burdick.
1: hmm
0: He's he's close. We know he's close. We know yep. that he's going to be a starting outfielder in one of the corners. I think he could genuinely be a good player for them. And I think the values match. And mm. I think that's probably what we're trying to complete with this process. It's not a case of what's best for the Marlins. It's what's best for both teams. And I think this deal works.
1: Love it. I, I love the idea of Whit Merrifield. I think that's a really good shout like you said, two years of control, the window is not yet open. There are some blue chippers coming down the pipe for sure. Obviously Bobby Witt being the headline uh, dude, obviously in the system, but they are still some ways away. Um, and in two years when Whit Merrifield's deal ends and he's 34 going on 35, you know, th- th- there's not going to be an overlap here with Merrifield and the Royals contending. So I completely with you. This makes a ton of sense for the Royals to try and cash in now. Maybe they'll hold on to him a little bit longer. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but I think that makes a ton of sense. And I, 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 I've gone outfield as well with mine, by the way, in terms of what goes back from the Marlins. I think that does look like a clear area of need for them, both now and in the future. So, yeah, there we go. Whit Merrifield for Peyton Burdick. I mean, whew some Marlins guys would be very unhappy if all of a sudden you have an off season where both Meisner and Burdick are gone. Um, but I mean, maybe, you know, Conine's still around. So at least you got him uh, plus some other dudes clearly, but I like that one, Sean. I, I think, uh, like I said to you yesterday, I didn't see that, but now you've said it, I, I absolutely love that one. I really do. So mine, I looked at it, I missed Wary Merrifield, not that I missed him. I know who he is, and he's a very good player. And I mean, he's a, a fantasy darling, too, because the stolen bases. So, you know, I know of him, clearly. But with the Royals, I went into it thinking, not contending, who's in the bullpen? What reliever can we get? You know, because this is always the thing with non-contending teams. Who's in the pen that can help us now, and who can we give back to try and help them in a few years' time when they are contending? And what I discovered, really, was that, you know, they had – they had some nice pieces there. One in particular really caught my eye, Scott Barlow. He had a real nice 2021. He's got three years of control remaining. He ended up getting, I don't know, 15, 16 saves for the Royals. Um, I really liked what I saw in terms of the numbers. So Scott Barlow was the guy, the target. Um, like I said, he was you know, closing out games for the Royals. Um, who will we sending back? And I thought the same outfield corner outfield who's going to go it's three years of control for a potential closer or at least an eighth inning dude and it is Griffin Conine going across to the Royals there so big power bat. um I think you had Griffin Conine yesterday going to the Red Sox um if I recall so there we go Conine is is from me as well so um yeah Conine for Scott Barlow I think he looks a real nice and interesting uh, reliever for sure. And the Royals don't need good relievers now. And if there is someone that is good, legitimately good, uh, they should absolutely be selling them right now. They should be. So we'll wait and see on that one. I Before we get into the Twins, buddy, let's get a US ad with a British twist in. I realized I've missed one earlier, so I'm going to have to edit that one in. So apologies, everyone, but that will be edited in. But for now, this is a live read, a live, live read, and it's betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs, BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today receive your 50% as 0 5-0, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code lockedon to receive your bonus for basketball football nhl boxing and ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online it's the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports so don't wait to take advantage get stuck in right now bet online where the game starts Okay, Mr. Barrett, we are – well, we're going to round things off here with the Twins, the Minnesota Twins. We've talked about these um, before when we've talked about some interesting fits. So I think these – there's options. I'm intrigued to see where you go. So how are you going to, see, how are you going to play things with these Twins?
0: Oh, so, yeah, I'm going to repeat myself. I
1: can't do, <laughs> there you go. I
0: can't, I can't go through the whole AL Central and not fix – One of the largest issues the Marlins have, and that's centre field. So I spoke yesterday about the ideas of Kiyomaya and Gritchurch. So today I've picked one out, and it's one I've already spoken about before, and it's Kepler. I like Kepler. He's on a team-friendly deal, so he's on 7 million this year, 9 mil the year after, and a 10 mil option the year after. This is half the price of what the Marlins were going to spend on Marte. So we know that the money's there because they've already said that they were willing to pay that. Is Kepler Marte obviously not over his career? A 101 WRC plus, so he's just over average, literally just over defensively for his career at center field. Uh, a free defensive run saved, so he's again just over average, but that slipped recently. He started off with higher numbers. And now he's into the negatives. So defensively, he's not, you know, he's not going to be elite, but I think he's going to be above what you'd expect from if Avi, if we moved him into center field. Offensively, you're going to get a 230 average. He's he's proven over a few years now that he can't hit out of the shift. So the average isn't going to be that. So it's going to be about 230, 25 home runs five steals there's a little bit of speed there but not a lot now it's again would I prefer Kiermaier probably yes would I prefer Gritchurch again probably yes but I think if you're looking at the AL central and you're looking for a fit for the Miners for a centre field he's the guy so that's why I didn't want to go through the whole of the division the whole of the central and not pick out one centre fielder Kepler, I think, is available for Lazardo.
1: Jesus Lazardo, wow.
0: We've only just got him in, and I think his value is very linked to his performance that was pre-the Marlins and early Marlins. I think that there is better performances out there for Lazardo. I think if the Marlins kept him. That they could get more from him, but if everything everything else doesn't work out, if they don't get the centre field they need, I think Lazardo is a quick, easy flip. He was a he was a cheap acquisition, mm-hmm. scheme of things. Yeah, and you know, turning one year of well half a year of Marte into three years of Kepler. Do you know what? I, I, I think I would take that to a certain degree. Again, it's not my ideal circumstance. I think there were better centre out there in the trade market. But for the cost of Lazardo, I'd be happy with Kepler.
1: Well, I like it. I, I knew you were going to go that way, to be honest, because we've spoken about it before. And I know that you like Kepler as a player for sure. So, uh, and I, when you look at it through that lens of, half a year of Starling Marte for three years of Kepler and a, a little period of Lozado, it feels nice. Like you can see thinking actually the Marlins have played that well. I mean, the question will remain, what will Lozado become? And that could go one of two ways um, for sure. I, I'm really intrigued to see what Jesus Lizardo can can do, but equally... Three years of Kepler at a nice price. Proven dude. Makes sense. Makes sense, too. You're trading away from from some depth. And the reality is Marlins fans were not fully invested in Jesus Lozado just quite yet, perhaps. You know, there there was flashes, but there was too many walks. And we only had a few starts from him. So, you know, I can see that. I think that's a nice one, too, mate. And it doesn't shock me he went in that direction. I went a different direction. I knew you were going to go Kepler, so I stayed away from that one, actually. I'm actually going to repeat the process for what I put out for the Blue Jays in that actually we're going to go back up catcher again and we're going to go and get Mitch Garver as well. We're going to pile in, take Garver and just double down on these catchers. Um, so that's that's my thinking there. And I think we're going to move on you're one of our interesting arms to do it. And it will be in the range of uh, like a Dax Fulton, Zach McCambly, uh, you know, that kind of range, Evan Fitterer, those kind of arms is is what I'm thinking. So not quite at the the kind of triple A, double A level, a step or an an age below that is what I'm thinking. So I'm going to go Mitch Garver for, and I still haven't decided fully, I think we'll try and we'll try and put in front of them, um, Evan Federer, and in the end maybe we'll do Dax Fulton. I don't know; that feels too high. I'm going to actually going to recant that. I'm going to go for Zach McCamley. So, you know, those kind of range dudes, relatively recently drafted guys. Then when the Marlins had that, I think that extravaganza draft when they just took every arm going, which was sensational. I think we're going to trade from the depth and I think we're going to get a backup catcher. I mean, Mitch Gava is not a backup catcher. He's a, he's a bloody good catcher. Um, but I, I like the fit and I, as I thought about it with the blue Jays, I, I like it in general. I'd like for us to have plan B, if something happens with stallings, which it can do, it can happen to anyone. So, so there we go. Um, McCann McCambly for Mitch Gava, straight up one for one. Um, that's us says on the central. Um, What's your thoughts on that one? I mean, that's, I guess it's the similar logic to what I already put out there for the Blue Jays. So, um, you know, no major surprises.
0: Yeah, no, I think, to be honest, I think, as you said, Garver is probably too good to be a backup catcher. But it's it's an interesting idea, the idea of having that one-two punch. You know, catchers aren't those kind of guys that are going to have 450 to 500 at-bats realistically to, to rest them up and, and have them in an ideal circumstance. You want them doing 350, 400 at-bats. So you give both guys seven, you know, a combined 700 at-bats, you know, have it be like a, a, a one-two punch as far as a running back in the NFL. Yeah. That's, that's a really interesting idea. It's an idea that's not been experimented with, but I, I'd be really interested to in see how that works. Um, and you know, as you said, and as you said yesterday, what's going to happen when you know Stolens breaks his hand in the first week?
1: <laughs> let's not let's not repeat that one. Because I... catch
0: hell. Let's let's start yeah. that for one.
1: I'm on the but hook for that one.
0: You really are. I'm not going to let you forget about <laughs> that one. But you know, you know captures get hurt. That's that's the nature of the beast. And you know, having that second guy or that one a one b guy mm. you know having quality captures is almost like starting pitching you just can't have enough mm. so why not go out and get that second guy and know that you're secure there you know it's not something that everyone does because you know it's being over prepared but hell i like it
1: yeah okay well there we go that's the al central for us in the books um some interesting ideas and some interesting names for sure. I mean, some highlight real names from you, Whit Merrifield in the mix uh, and and Tim Anderson as well. You got off to a hot start there. I really love the fit for Kimbrell as well. I think that's a real interesting one uh, as you know, from that side, um, you know, a few relievers knocking around for both of us as well, which makes sense. We're trying to fill holes. And there we go. Another backup catcher too. we're not backup, but another catcher. It's unfair to call it a backup catcher, but um, you know, there's, Tons of different ways we've gone about that. Um, we're going to be heading out West next. So we're going to be dropping uh, the AL West trade uh, match.com extravaganza tomorrow. That's Friday. Um, Sean Barrett, I think that's us for this one, buddy. So we're, we're a little bit quicker through the central, I think than we were in the East. Um, I don't know why, maybe it was the Christmas festivities or whatever it was in in the build up. but um, nevertheless, thank you again for joining me. You'll be back tomorrow on Friday for uh for the AL West Match.com uh, part three of our mini-series. Um, and to the listeners, thanks for listening. Please get in touch to any, I guess, White Sox, Royals, Twins, Guardians. God, I've got to keep trying to remember that. Um, who else have I forgot? I forgot someone. Tigers. Any Tigers fans out there? You know, Let us know what you're thinking, as well as the Marlins guys. Everyone has been out there saying, Pete, I hate your trades. That's been the general feedback, So, which is probably fair. Um, let me know how I got on today. Equally, what, what you were thinking with Sean's. We're back tomorrow with the AL West. Sean Barrett, thank you for joining me. That is myself, Peter Pratt, Sean Barrett, signing out for Locked on Marlins on Thursday. we will be back on Friday. Thanks, guys.